in, uh, in my own devotions, I've been reading Revelation, reading it, trying to read it in Greek with much help. And, um, you know, there's really bizarre things that happen in Revelation. I mean, most of you have read it, right? And I, I, I wondered to myself, why? What are these visions? And one of the things that just occurred to me this morning as we were singing about our powerful God is that, man, when you're being crushed, you really want to see that your God is powerful, right? <laughs> that, he, that God knows what it is to be crushed. God can take it. And God comes roaring back. God is for God's people. And God is powerful enough to get it done. So that, that's... I'm thankful for that thought this morning because I, I need it. All right. Well, I thought today all the kids got dismissed and I made these little sheets. Aren't they adorable? <laughs> but if anybody wants a kid sheet, <laughs> here. Actually, Carolyn, would you help me out? If anybody wants a kid sheet, I had kind of fun finding pictures and stuff to put on there. Um, I thought today, for a super fun activity, we could do um, a pop quiz. What do you think? Doesn't that bring you back to your school days? Woo! So, so here's the thing. Here's the pop quiz. You're walking on a road, and you come to a crossroad, and you see this sign. Pop quiz. Which direction will you go? Toward success? Well done, class. But what if the road to success is scary and the road to failure is familiar? Which road will you take now? What do you think? Come on, class. Going to still go, go for success? Okay. But were you going to go for... Nothing like, even if it was familiar, I was still going to go to failure because then I wouldn't have to worry about You are way ahead of me. <laughs> that is where we're headed. <laughs> because what if the road to success is unknown? Like you just don't know what's going to happen there. But, but you do know what happens at, at failure, right? What road would you take now? Anybody still for success? Okay. But what if there's a bunch of new stuff you have to learn? And, and gosh, failure is tradition been there lots of times. And, and your family went there. And the family before them went there. Would you still go for success? Okay. Well, but what if the road to success means doing stuff that you're not very good at? And what if you're really good at doing all the stuff the road to, to failure requires? Would you still go for success? It's getting harder and harder. Would you do it? Who's going to go for success still? Who's still thinking like, okay, I'll take my chances? No? Everyone's going to head for the road to failure? <laughs> because uh, guess what? The people who were reading Hebrews, that's the crossroad they were on. And that's the choice that they were beginning to make. I think fail failure sounds familiar. We know how to get there. It's tradition. And besides, we're good at it. So let's just take that road. Because there are two roads. That's what they thought. Okay. So I gave you three verses out of this um, 
passage, chapter 8, I gave you verse 1, verse 6, and verse 13. I said those were the keys and the rest was Phil. So now let's talk about it. Let's see if, if you agree with what I was thinking. Here's the first part, first passage, first part of the passage. Now the main point, that's in verse 1, now the main point in what we're saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister in the sanctuary, and the true tent that the Lord, and not any mortal, has set up. The covenant, okay, you still there? So the covenant established, oh, I've got to turn my page, here we go. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices, hence it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he, Jesus, would not be a priest at all, since there are already those who offer gifts according to the law. They offer worship in a sanctuary that is a sketch and a shadow of the heavenly one, just as Moses was warned when he was about to erect the tent. For God said, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. All right, so how is verse 1, that's what I'm asking, how's verse 1 showing us what's the main point that the writer's trying to make now about the high priest? Because I agree that Julie and Bill really did do a bang-up job of explaining to us what that means for Jesus to be of the order of Melchizedek and not of Levi. So what's the main point, though? What's, what, what's he saying? Um, oh, yeah, we have mics. So if you raise a hand, then a mic can come over to you, and um, we can hear what you're saying. To summarize what they were talking about is that Jesus is a superior high priest, has more ability, and has more authority than the earthly high priests. Yeah, I think that was a big part of his main point. Anybody else have a part of the main point that, that they're seeing in this? Yeah, Patty. Um, from the standpoint that uh, these were Jews who had accepted um, this, uh, the new covenant and now is trying, they're trying to go back to the old covenant um, it kind of says to me that, okay, this new, this new high priest is much superior than, you're still having a priest, but this new high priest, Jesus, is more superior. And you don't have to worry about not having a priest because you do have a priest. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you nailed it. So for someone of Jewish faith... This is a shocking statement, and it actually teeters on the edge of heresy, okay? Uh, let's look at the next section. This is, was the next verse I wanted you to look at. But Jesus has now obtained a more excellent ministry, just like Patty said, and to that degree, he's the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on the basis of better promises, for if that first covenant had been faultless, did you hear that? If it had been faultless, there would have been no need to look for a second covenant. Do you see how that's teetering? Feels like it's teetering on the edge of heresy. So what's the, 
writer trying to say about this covenant that Jesus is bringing or that Jesus has brought? What do you think? Yeah. Trying to walk the line of, of not saying everything you were brought up learning that your parents taught you, that the community taught you is wrong because you almost can't <laughs> turn your back on your entire worldview without there being a new one to put in its place. So you have to present both at the same time and you have to compare them. Um, and anyway, it's just interesting to see, see how he's setting up this, this argument, right? How can I convince It's like the, the old Matrix. How can I tell you that everything you thought was reality is not, right? So to a, a, maybe a lesser extent, um, hey, how do you introduce this new idea without saying everything is wrong, but here's a better way? That is really well said. It makes me think of a story of a church that had a piano on this side, but to make room for a band of new, new guys, they needed to move the piano over to that side. Well, you can't just move the piano like that, or everyone will go, no, you can't do that to the piano. I think I just lost my feed, didn't I? Oh, there it is, come back. Um, so you have to move it a little at a time, but the, right? Until finally it's in the middle and everyone goes, oh, well, it can't be there. Let's just move it over there, right? So, <laughs> right? But, but the writer of Hebrews isn't doing that. He's just he's moving the piano off the stage. Okay, that's shocking. All right, because the covenant on Mount Sinai, that's the one Don was talking about, was with the chosen people of God. And it was the most sacred aspect of their faith and the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, th these are the most sacred books. Every person of Jewish faith could at least agree on the Torah. That was sacred. And here he's saying, we got something better. What? No. Let's read what happened there. Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the Israelites, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, this covenant that they were receiving, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, and he summoned the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. Do you hear that? From the mouth of the Lord to Moses to them. The people all answered as one, everything that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. That's their covenant. They're a treasured possession. They're a holy nation out of all the peoples of earth. What could be better than this? Hang on to this, because we're going to need it in a minute. Paul summarized all the things that made the people of God set apart by this covenant. They are the Israelites, and to them belong the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the worship, and the promises. Remember what the Hebrew writer had just said 
I got better promises. To them belong the patriarchs. Okay, now think about this. This was absolutely the holy and inspired word of God by its very nature. There could be nothing better. But the writer of Hebrews was saying, but there is. So, at this point, the writer wisely understood that they needed a significant passage from the scriptures to back up this shocking teaching. Isn't that so? If someone tries to tell you something, you're like, <laughs> where's that in the Bible? So the writer said, well, I got something from the Bible. I'll tell you what, I'm going to quote the prophet Jeremiah. And here's what that quote says. It's a long one. God finds fault with them when he says, the days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their ancestors. On that day, when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and so I had no concern for them, says the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each other or say to each other, Know the Lord. Why? For they shall know me. They will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. That's the new covenant, and their prophet, Jeremiah, had said so. But the writer was saving the most shocking part of this teaching for the end. The most shocking part. It's one thing to hear, well, this is good, but this is better. Hey, these are the promises, and you thought they were it, but I got more and better ones. But what happens when you say, in speaking of a new covenant, he, Jesus, has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and growing old will soon disappear. There isn't a crossroad, actually. The road to failure is a cliff, and you're going to fall right over it. That is a crumbling road, and it's fading away. That's pretty shocking. That's pretty shocking to hear a thousand years, 1,500 years of tradition. It's obsolete now. That's it. It's done. So, thinking about all this, and, and somebody said it was important to compare. Yeah, that was you, Josh. Got to compare the covenants. So, let's compare the covenants. What's the difference between the two covenants? I have some ideas, and I'll show you, show you what they are. But first, I want to hear what your ideas are. What, what, what's the difference? Yeah, okay, Mari. I mean, he says uh, in, in verse 9, he says that the new covenant is not like the old covenant, for they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care about them, says the Lord. Yeah. So the old covenant can be broken. Can be broken. And the new covenant can't. Yeah. That's a big difference. The new one sounds better. Another difference.
I think the biggest difference is burden. With the old covenant, there's a lot of burden on the people. With the new covenant, it's light and easy. It is light and easy. That sounds better, too. Mm-hmm. Specifically, because what they're saying is Christ is represented there. It's the house of Israel is not necessarily God's people who the old covenant was with. Mm-hmm. It's specifically Christ representing God's people. And so the covenant is now between God the Father and God the Son. Those are the parties Ooh. in the covenant. And Christ allows us access to his agreement um, because he was capable of keeping the agreement. Um, so that, that to me is the major difference is that the person making the agreement is capable of keeping it, or both parties. I mean, I think that it, that is really core. That's why we need to be in Christ and Christ in us. Yeah, all right, thank you. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Old Covenant... The priests served in the tabernacle. The high priest went into the Holy of Holies. They were also the teachers of the law. They were the scribes of the law. And in the new covenant, I love this verse, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Yes. Yeah, I love that part too. I got a little, like a little starburst inside. I love that too. Thank you. Anybody else? Differences that you see. Yeah. The high priest is sitting down now because the work is done. In the old time, the high priests were continually on their feet, offering, 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 if you can just imagine such a thing. But Jesus is sitting down. That's not one that we think of very often, but yeah, they, the apostles talked about it all the time, didn't they? Yeah, thank you. That's important. Wouldn't you love a covenant that's finished? It's done? It's sealed? That's it now. All right. Well, I had some ideas. Um, y'all talked about better ideas than mine, so, but I'm not going to feel self-conscious about it. Uh, <laughs> okay. So the first one I thought of is that, and maybe this came out a little bit, it, one is conditional, but the other one is unconditional, the better one. Um, maybe this folds a little bit into what Julie was saying. One has repeated sacrifices. You can just never stop, but this one had one sacrifice, and then that's all that was needed. Um, it just occurred to me that it's the blood of animals constantly being poured out, and this is just Jesus' own blood. Um, I thought about what constantly sin is being covered, but it doesn't go away. This one, the sin is cleansed away. That, w- that was a powerful one for me. Um, and then I thought, and, and this came, yeah, this is what um, Steve was saying. It was only Israel. And, and then I, I think that folds into what you were saying too, Joe. And anyone who's in Christ is for them. It's for all people. And then I thought um, the Holy of Holies was only accessed once a year by one special guy. In this one, heaven is opened up permanently. Go in any time. You can just stay there if you want to. Um, in the other one, the priest came out to bless the people. Like, God's going to stay in there because God is scary and you can't be there because he'll kill you. But I'll come out and give you God's blessing anyway. In this one, Jesus is coming back. And Jesus is going to take us with him. We're, we're going to be in the Holy of Holies all the time with Jesus. And the biggest one of all is that the old one's obsolete. It's fading away. This one is better because it's forever. So now, whoever has that sheet, 
here's the matchup. I was not trying to be cute. It just hit me, and I thought, well, okay, it works for me. Let's see if it works for you. Um, to me, this is a 5G covenant. I got a new phone not that long ago. 5G is supposed to be the best. <laughs> okay, here's where we went with it. Um, it, it. It's guaranteed success. Jesus rose from the dead. This thing is nailed. It's a unilateral covenant. God does the whole thing. Humankind just either says yes or not. It's filled with goodness. We're filled with the goodness because God's law is no longer an external code. Um, it's an inward knowledge. Did you hear God say that? I'm going to put my law in their minds and hearts. I think that's because God's life and God's mind and God's spirit is within us. So obedience doesn't come from an obligation, sense of obligation or a sense of fear and dread. It comes from an upwelling of love, and it's the Lord acting within us. Um, I had to get gospel in there because God is going to make this possible for God's people to intimately know the Lord, that's what God said, and have fellowship with God because it's going to be through the divine work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enlivens us and fills us. And that's a seal. That's a lock. And there's greatness this was the one that I, I, I loved too, Steve. Everybody under this new covenant is truly equal before God. Equal significance, equal value, equal worth. There's no longer any need for a human go-between because there's Jesus, and Jesus has, has brought us into him, and he is also in us. So everyone can come close to God through the Spirit of Christ. And finally, there's grace. This is, there's complete forgiveness. There's complete cleansing. There's no lingering anything remnant or whatever. In this new covenant, God's mercy and grace are freely given, and they last forever. I mean, that, that's the beauty of one of the beauties of an eternal and infinite God. There's always enough and more, and it will last forever. So to go back to the old system would be to return to something that isn't valid and isn't effective. And, and that's something, you know, that, that's why I asked you guys to pray for me. My old coping mechanism with my sister is avoidance because she can't be scary and hurt me if, if I'm nowhere to be seen, right? And, but that's been standing in my way of doing a work that I know God wants me to do. I know I have the Spirit of Christ, but the road to failure is familiar, and I know how to do it really well. And I think that's the writer's most pressing point. The old covenant was never meant to be permanent. Never. It was meant to bring us to the new covenant, to make us ready. The old covenant is obsolete. Our old coping mechanisms are obsolete. Everything that we figured out how to do with life before the Lord got hold of us is obsolete, and it's fading away. The road to success is scary sometimes. It means surrendering all that old stuff. It means learning how to be different. But it is the new covenant, and that's where God is bringing us. And honestly, once the Lord has hold of us, there is no going back. It's a done deal. So Jesus' better covenant is guaranteed. It's good. It's the gospel. Everyone is great, and it's because of God's grace. Now let's pray. Our Lord, 
<laughs> I don't know if anyone else needed to hear that, but I sure did. I'm so thankful to you that you are patient and long-suffering, that you are compassionate and loving. I'm so grateful that you're a lamb who's as powerful as a lion. I don't know how you pull that off, but I'm so grateful you do. We need you. Would you help us just know this a little bit deeper this morning, a little bit longer, hang on to it a little bit longer, and live a little bit more freely in the new covenant. We pray it to the praise of your glorious grace and for the good of all whom you love, which includes us. Amen.